is Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, a place to be loved, a place to belong, and a place to serve. We're going to find out a little bit more about that today by looking at another uh, one another passage that talks about this very subject. So if you've got a Bible or a device to read Scripture on, Romans 12. Romans 12, we're going to start with verse 9 and 10, but then we're going to come back to several other verses around that. So you might want to just leave it open. Romans 12, 9 and 10. Before we read it together, I offer you this prayer. The Lord be with you. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly kindness. Honor one another above yourselves. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. So I want to start by thinking about slogans that we use for team, like team building or togetherness. Do you have some slogans that come to mind? You know, like there's no I in team, that kind of thing, a slogan. Uh, go ahead and chat with your neighbor for just a second. See if you can come up with a slogan about teamwork or teammates or togetherness or anything like that. And then if you're brave, if you want to yell them out, tell me, yell them out when you get one. Go ahead, talk about that a second. Anybody? Teamwork makes the dream work. There you go. Good one. What was that one? Strength and unity. All right. Together each achieves more. Team. Yeah, good one. Okay. I wanted to share Team Nabisco's togetherness slogan. They use this for their Olympic marketing campaign. Snack together, win together. How's that? And I had a little trouble when I saw this. I actually saw this on a cookie display at Casey's and I'm like thinking nothing says Olympic champion like snarfing down a package of Oreos or <laughs> Chips Ahoy or something but if that's what's necessary for a gold medal I'll, I'll be on that team. It seems to me that we give a lot of lip service to the power of together but we often underestimate the commitment necessary to make it work because together is better but together is not easy as illustrated by countless professional F, uh, sports teams with that can't seem to get it together, right? They say together is better, but it's very hard. So we're going to look at some requirements that will help us do life together better. And last week we looked at the first two requirements. They were life together requires love and presence. We said that this love comes from God. God loves us, and then we love each other. And that this is not done at a distance, it's done in close proximity. You can't love at a distance. You have to have presence. You have to pay attention to the people around you. So those are the first two requirements. And it seemed like after I got done last week, I was thinking, that was kind of a high, lofty, pie-in-the-sky kind of vision of love, like understanding the love of the Trinity and then how God's love translates into loving us and loving others. I thought this week we should take it down a notch and get down to a little more practical expression. So we're going to look at two more kinds of uh, requirements for life together that I think are very practical. Life together requires kindness and respect. And this passage in Romans 12 brings up kindness first. Listen for that as I read the rest of the verses around this passage. Romans 12, starting with verse 9. 
Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted one to one another in brotherly kindness. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another, but do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, as I'm reading through this passage, it struck me that every expression of love mentioned in this passage is a practical expression of brotherly kindness, that these things are lived out day by day in the nitty-gritty. Uh, some of the versions translate this as brotherly affection, which brought into view the idea of the kind of love that we have in our families. You know, uh, I don't know everybody's family, but to live closely together in a family is not always easy, is it? There's uh, potential for messiness, for tension, for difficulties, for disagreements. To live together in a family, we do it by acts of kindness. Every day, recommitment to say, I'm going to live with you and I'm going to treat you kindly. So we pick up after ourselves. We're courteous. We put the dishes in the dishwasher. We help with the laundry. We say kind things, words of appreciation and gratitude. These are parts of the everyday practical acts, expressions of kindness that balance the scales from the times when we are crabby or, or mean to the people who are around us. I have uh, two brothers and a sister, and uh, I don't remember a lot about my sister. She was quite a bit older, but I was pretty close with my brothers, and we fought a lot. But I love my brothers, and I would do anything for my brothers. Why? Because that's what families do. You treat each other with kindness and respect. This is the image that's coming out of these passages. These practical, everyday acts of kindness are part of what we do to build life together. Brotherly kindness and affection. Now the root for the word here is actually the same as the root for the word Philadelphia. You know the city Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. It's this idea that these actions require a commitment that is made day by day in the nitty-gritty to say, I'm going to continue to be kind to you. This is the foundation or one of the requirements for life together. You can't have life together without kindness. Now, every expression of love mentioned in this passage also requires respect. Some versions use the word honor, the idea that we're esteeming other people even above ourselves and that we are actually honoring those in particular that we have a tendency to dishonor, those people that are hard to respect. Listen again to the last half of this paragraph. Bless those who persecute you. 
Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. These things are essential for life together, and they each require day-to-day respect in the nitty-gritty of life. Kindness and respect for the people that are around us. Practically speaking, we show kindness and respect and honor even to those who are very different than us, even to those that we would not normally choose to show kindness to respect. So we bless those who persecute us. We honor those who curse us. We live in harmony with all. And now as I'm reading these words, it's starting to sound a lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Practically speaking, this is the requirement for life together. We treat each other with this kind of commitment. Now, when I start reading some of these passages written by Paul about uh, life together and love for one another, I have to confess to you that I still have a little bit of disconnect because I grew up for a very long time with a picture of Paul, the guy who wrote this, as being rude and inconsiderate and harsh. I mean, the, the main question I had about Paul when I was growing up was, Paul a jerk? That's what I wonder. Yeah, the Apostle Paul. Uh, was he a jerk because of some of his bad behavior and the way that he treated people? He was harsh, sometimes very harsh. I knew a guy in the church I grew up in named Howard Coles, and he was a jerk. He also was an elder in the church, and he was a giant of a man. I remember him being like nine or ten feet tall. This guy just, I remember him being super tall, and he would roam around the church looking for kids who were doing the wrong thing. And I imagine that Howard Coles, the jerk, loved catching us doing something wrong. So that if you were, you know, spilling your juice on the carpet or running or, um, you know, lipping off to somebody, he would not hesitate. This was back in the day and age when you could touch kids. He would grab you by the arm and he would pull you up to his face and he would, he would give you the riot act right there. He would haul you off to your parent, dragging you down the hall. He was a, he was a jerk, okay? And... Howard was so mean and angry, I thought there's no way that he could care for us. In fact, I wonder if he could ever care for anybody. That's the image I had of this old guy. He did care about orthodoxy, like right, getting your thinking right and saying the right things, doing the right things. He cared about keeping the church carpet clean. And he seemed to have a particular interest in making sure all the boys kept their shirts tucked in. This is what I remember about him. He was a jerk and a leader in the church just like Paul. That's what I thought. Now one day later, much later in my life, I learned that Howard Coles actually dedicated a huge chunk of his life, a lot of time and money and energy, to taking care of under-resourced people. 
He was a huge mission project guy. And he would go on these work projects in very difficult circumstances and would work long, hard days to give people something they did not have. And he, could, he was such a big guy, he could do the work of 10 men. And I remember somebody once having a conversation I overheard with him. They asked him, why do you work so hard on these projects? And you know what he said? I love these people. And I could have fallen over. I miss that about Howard Coles. I miss this deep commitment that he had to life together, and he demonstrated it with acts of kindness and respect. This made me wonder if I'd actually missed a lot of things about the Apostle Paul, the, the jerk Apostle Paul. And I know that I did miss a lot of the one another passages. So there's a bunch of passages in the Bible that have the phrase one another. And I think there's like a hundred of them in the New Testament. And 60 of them were written by Paul. Like our verse today from Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. The same language comes out frequently. One another. And it seems to me that in these verses, Paul is spelling out the nitty-gritty of life together. He says things like live in harmony with one another. You have to figure out how every day to keep getting along. That's essential to life together. He says bear one another's burdens. You know, like mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep. This is part of life together. Forgive one another. A key ingredient for brotherly love and affection would be, oh my gosh, if you're going to have love in a family, you've got to learn how to forgive, right? Forgive one another. Serve one another. Paul had an intense interest in the nitty-gritty of living life together, and for him, it often came down to a very practical expression of love demonstrated day by day, like brotherly kindness and respect. I missed all that. I also missed verses like this one in 1 Thessalonians 2, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. We, oh, stuck. We loved you dearly, so dearly that we gave you not only the gospel of God, but also our very lives. Now, I had a little disconnect reading this verse because it seems to me that you can't be like a mother tenderly nursing your children and a jerk at the same time. This is giving me a quite a different picture of someone who so dearly loved the people that he gave his whole life to them, that he committed everything he did to them. That's a commitment. I missed that in the years that I thought Paul was a jerk. I also missed passages like 2 Corinthians 11. Paul said, I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. This guy had it hard. But verse 28 
Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Of all the things that weighed heavily on Paul, all these terrible things that he experienced, the thing that weighed him down most was he was worried about the people. He was worried about those people he did life together with. He was worried about how they were getting along. He loved them deeply. This is part of what happens when we have life together. I love the way the Passion Translation did just that last verse. I have the daily pressure of my responsibility for all the churches with a deep concern weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare. Are there people in our lives that we worry about their welfare, their well-being, how they're getting along? When we do life together, then we're worried about those kinds of things. It's about paying attention to what's happening in the life of somebody else and then responding with brotherly kindness and respect. And there's a bunch of other examples I could use to demonstrate how this happened. I think my favorite is probably from the book of Philippians. Paul did life together with these people, and this is what he said about them. Philippians 1, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work with you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or defending or confirming the gospel. All of you share God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And there you have the key to life together. Loving people with the love of Jesus. This is what Paul did. He was fixated on this. And as a consequence, he figured out how to live life together with them. Now, there's a whole lot more that can be said about this, and come in the next few weeks, we're going to say a few more things about it. But I want to end with some specific kind of next steps, things you might consider as a way for you and for me to grow in life together. The first step is this. Celebrate God's love. I mean, this all starts with the fact that God is love and he loved us so we can love other people. And do you realize how much you're loved? How much he loves your spouse? How much he loves your kids, your neighbors, your coworkers? How much God loves your enemies? I mean, spend some time just dwelling on that. Just how much love does God have for us? That's the first step. The second step I suggest is open mind. We often do life together with people who are exactly like us and we limit it to that but there's a lot of opportunities for us to do life together with people who are different age, different political perspective, different backgrounds, different interests. Um, just trust God to lead you. Give, give room for God to work and he might lead you to some very different people to experience life together with. Third step then would be be a friend. Be friendly, be kind, be nice, be hospitable, be welcoming, be honest. I mean, just treat people like you want to be treated. Uh, we were out walking the dog earlier this morning and some neighbors were sitting out in their garage having coffee and it'd be easy for us just to walk right past them. But we were curious. I think they had a big pile of rock there. So I'm like, hey, what are you doing with your rock? Um, and we got to befriend them and chat. That was a nice way to start the day on a beautiful morning. So be, be a friend to people. And then the fourth 
uh, next step would be start today. Don't put this off. Don't think, yeah, I'll get to it some, some other time. Start today. And we're actually going to give you some specific tools to help you get started today. Everybody is sitting on the, the next step card. It's a little card that says life together with some options on it. The front side is for one potential that is to join a, a small group. I think there's two kinds of people. There's people who are in this room who are already in a small group. And there's a box for you to check. And then there's the rest of the people in the room who wish they were in a small group. So you can check the other box. And we're going to collect them in the baskets right here on the way out. Actually, we're not going to let you out of the room unless you have a card filled out. So start filling out your card right now. On the back side of this card is another way to connect with people, and that would be uh, serve, serve one another. This is what we do to demonstrate brotherly kindness and respect. We help each other out. And we do still need some help around here with nursery and children's ministry and some other stuff. There's some options that might fit you there. Or if none of those options work, just right in the bottom, I want to serve somewhere and we'll get in touch with you. But uh, take some of these next steps. Uh, or next week you can join a class. That's another way to connect. Just do something. Together is better. And if we're going to do life together, it requires love. It requires proximity and presence. You don't love at a distance. It requires kindness, brotherly kindness, and it requires respect. And I think God is leading us to do all of those things, and I'm going to pray about that right now. So let's pray together. Uh, dear Lord God, we do come before you this morning and I give you thanks for meeting us here in this place. And I thank you for loving us. Thank you that you have uh, poured your love out on us in so many different ways. We are a blessed people and we're so thankful for that. God, we give you thanks for the opportunities that we have this fall, uh, many opportunities to connect. I pray right now that your spirit would move on us here and on everyone at home to uh, identify one place where we might be able to connect more deeply with someone else. And God, that you would just prompt us and, and move us forward into that life together. God, we pray for those who are, uh, have a special need this morning to be connected in different ways because they're hurting, they're, they're lonely, they're grieving. Um, there's so many people in our lives, God, who need to be embraced with love. Lead us to them, God, and, and help us to love them better. We thank you, God, that we can come to you, we can pour out our praises and requests, and you respond. And so we praise you, saying in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to support the ministry of Cedar Hills, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.